Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 313. Here we are on the cusp of the grand finale of the Elite Amateur Golf Series. I'm just about wheels up heading to Chicago for the Western Amateur at North Shore Country Club. It's been an absolutely crazy whirlwind of a summer. We still have two massive amateur championships left on the books, the Western and the U.S. Amateur out at Cherry Hills in Denver, Colorado. The Elite Amateur Cup winner will be determined this week. There are massive Walker Cup team implications this week. There's a lot going on right now in the world of amateur golf. So as always, follow along on social media, the Back of the Range and the Elite Amateur Golf Series. Follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All those links can be found in the show notes of this episode. The Pacific Coast Amateur Championship just concluded yesterday out at Capilano Golf and Country Club in Vancouver, British Columbia. Tyson Shelley stormed back on the final day with a course record tying 62 to get himself into a playoff against Jack Buchanan from Australia. Shelley would win on the second playoff hole and take home the title. As we have done all summer, I've invited all the champions of every Elite Amateur Golf Series event to join me for a chat at the back of the range. Tyson will be doing that in the next couple days, but before that episode drops, I had a chance last week to speak with the executive director of the Pacific Coast Golf Association, Troy Andrew. Lots of fantastic history out there in the Pacific Northwest, so I wanted to give Troy a full episode to discuss his start in the game, his start in the organization, and what makes the Pacific Coast Amateur Championship so special. So let's jump right in. Troy, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. We're uh, here in Canada, ready for a great championship. Man, I mean, I was just in Vancouver, actually, in May on a vacation, and I was riding on a train, actually, the Rocky Mountaineer, for a couple days, and I'm looking at, you know, Jasper and Lake Louise, and the whole adventure started in Vancouver, and I was looking, and I'm thinking, man, what a hell of a place to host a, a championship, uh, a golf tournament. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're basically talking as we speak. The, the Pacific Coast uh, uh, Amateur Championship is underway, and um, you're the executive director of the Pac Coast Golf Association. And we, we were joking just a little while ago, that is not the only hat you wear, sir. So I will give you the floor. Try and explain in three hours or less uh, all the different hats you wear in the in the game of golf right now. <laughs> well, um, you know, th- there's three different hats for a reason because uh, we have we do have one office and that office um, oversees the wa- Washington Golf. So your typical state golf association. Um, so um, executive director of Washington Golf. And then uh, our office also administers the Pacific Northwest Golf Association, which dates back to 1899 and, and really primarily runs um, regional championships, uh, British Columbia, Oregon, Idaho, Washington, and Montana. Um, so that, that's primarily what the Pacific Northwest Golf Association does. And then um, back in the early 90s, uh, my predecessor, John Bodenhammer, who's uh, at the USGA now, runs the U.S. Open and many other oversight of the championships, uh, took on 
the Pacific Coast Golf Association. Um, Arizona Golf Association was the home office of it. And um, so we have taken that on here since the early 90s. And um, so I was fortunate uh, when I took on the position when John left for the USGA uh, to take on those three titles. But uh, it's great and it's a labor of love and, and I enjoy it. Now, do you have a standard size business card or does it kind of look more like a, like a <laughs> is it legal pad size? Like how do you keep it all straight? How many inboxes do you have? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, it's, uh, it can be a little different signatures, different email addresses, but, uh, you know, believe it or not, it works, but, uh, it does get, uh, got every once in a while, I got a pause and go, okay, now who am I representing today? <laughs> <laughs> who am I? Who am yeah. I? <laughs> Now, now you, uh, it doesn't sound like right now you're playing a lot of golf, but it sounds like you're, you're doing a lot of work, obviously. But when did you actually start getting into the game and as you know to play it? Yeah, well, you know, I was fortunate. Uh, one of my first jobs uh, as a teenager, I was delivering papers to a private club in Tacoma, Washington, and uh, the head pro would grab the paper and he offered me a job in the bag room and kind of the rest is history. I, 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 I fell in love. I loved the game anyways and played a lot and played junior competitions. Uh, never made it um, much further than that. I wasn't a great player, but um, enjoy the game and love the game like many and went off to college. But when I got out of college, an internship came up with the local PGA uh, Northwest section. And I was fortunate enough to, to get the internship. I mean, I thought I was I died and gone to heaven being able to work, you know, for the PGA section. And, yeah. and I got into the tournament side of things and uh, kind of the rest is history. I just, I've stayed in the golf administrative side. I've loved the golf administrative side and especially the, the tournament side. So I did that um, for a couple of years with the section and then moved on to the golf associations we just talked about and working for uh, John Bodenhammer hired me in the championship department. And I spent years in the championship department running all those uh, events and eventually dabbled into other parts of the association, um, marketing communications, and and then uh, became John's right-hand guy as an assistant ED. And then was fortunate to, uh, to get the position when he left for the USGA. He had groomed me and, and was a huge mentor. So it, it felt almost felt like it was meant to be, but I would still feel fortunate. So, I've been um, in the golf industry, been for, you know, with these associations for 23 years now. And um, it's, it's not getting old. I'll tell you that every day. I, I love my job. I love, love, love going to work and the people I work with. Well, and clearly uh, you have the respect of your peers, because if I'm not mistaken, you're also president of the uh, International Administration, or hold on, International Association of Golf Administrators. I, I always fumble that that acronym, but I think I got it right. Yeah, a lot, a lot of acronyms in golf. Yeah, it, uh, you got it right. And I just became past president, but yes, I was president last year. Um, it was a one-year term, but I've been on that board um, for, for several years and, um, they were, uh, believe it or not, asked me to, to be president and it, it was fun to serve for a year, but it's a great group of people. It's all the associations across the country and actually uh, Canada, Mexico are all members of that organization. And, um, it's actually where, you know, a lot of this Elite Amateur series started to get dreamed up oh, within yeah. the IAGA because we were all would see each other and go, 
we're all doing the same thing here. Let's let's get together. Andy, a priest, and I used at Southern Golf Association talked about it a lot. And uh, so I would say IAGA, now that you bring it up, uh, was a good place for us to start dreaming this up. And then it, it took off from there. So um, that's another great organization that brings uh, the golf community together. So I know this is going to be a very difficult question, but you mentioned the the tournament and the championship ops side of, of your career. Uh, a lot goes into putting a championship together. There's obviously the, the prep, there's the course prep, there's all the stuff that happens uh, during the championship. But what is your favorite part uh, of, of the championship when you can actually sit back uh, and, and look at everything? Or is there a part where you can actually take a deep breath and what's, what's your most enjoyable part? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I bet you it's a little different for each of, you know, tournament administrator. Yeah. And I think for me is, you know, there's so much work that's done leading up to the championship, um, you know, weeks in advance. And then when you get on site a few days ahead and you're doing the course marking and you're, you're picking the whole locations and you're, 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 you're getting everything in, in prepared for it. Uh, and I think, I think all that work, you know, the long days and getting things set up, everything from, you know, getting the course ready to putting up signage to getting registration ready and your volunteer schedules and, you know, all the things it takes. I think the most gratifying time for me is when that first tee shots hit Yeah, because that, you know, you're, you're still on your toes. You're still, you know, ready for the championship and anything that you need to, you know, react to as you go, but it's a proud moment when they hit the first tee shot. Cause you're like, Hey, we've done it. You know, we've gotten here. Yeah. We got to finish the championship, but the tee shots hit the course is ready. The volunteers are here and um, the players are here and we're ready to go. Uh, so for me, that's that the first tee in the ground's a, a really cool moment. Well, we're, we're talking as, uh, you know, that, that first tee shot has already been hit in this year's uh, Pat Coast. And, um, you know, I just, the, the history of this championship is, is fascinating to me. I just wanted to kind of have you kind of talk a little bit about it where, you know, some people may think that it's, you know, just another stop on the Elite Amateur Golf Series calendar. And, and it is, it's the sixth, uh, we're, we're getting close to the end this summer. But, you know, the first championship was held back in 1901 and, um, you know, was held for about 10 years. And then the, the association and the championship uh, really kind of went away for a better part of 50 years. Can you kind of pick it up from there and talk about what happened in 1967? Yeah, you know, it actually, um, the discussion started um, in 66 um, by a group of uh, individuals actually here up in the Pacific Northwest of all places, the Pacific Northwest golf association guy by the name of Ernie Johnson, uh, member out at one of the founding members at Sohali country club was really into amateur golf and following the top amateur players. And, and really, uh, a lot of them were having discussions around, Hey, we need, we need to get some more representation on the Walker cup team. And how are we going to do that? We all our players have to travel back East uh, let's start talking about this. And, you know, everybody knew a little of the history of the Pacific Coast Golf Association. And so Northern Cal in the Pacific Northwest Golf Association really started having big talks about creating or bringing back, I should say, uh, the Pacific Coast Amateur. And 
having a formal organization, the Pacific Coast Golf Association, come together and get as many of the golf associations on the West Coast um, to create this association and, and start running this championship on down the West Coast for the West Coast players. And, um, and, and in 1967, Seattle Golf Club stepped up and said, let's do this. And um, the rest is history. And it's, it's, it's just been one of the, you know, it's been the top amateur uh, West Coast event. Uh, since well the trophy uh, bears the name of uh, dr ed Uptograph. so he was the first champion in 67 and he actually played in the walker cup team in 63 and 65 so i just i love the the tie to the walker cup and i just love everyone got together and was like hey we need some more guys from from you know nevada and from you know wyoming and montana we we got sticks out here on the west coast let's get them onto that national team i love how that thing came together yeah yeah it's pretty spectacular and then it grew you know right after that you know there was uh let's see pacific northwest northern cal southern cal oregon and arizona were really the the first inaugural group of associations that came together and now we're up to 15 that uh up and down the west coast that are part of this and support it and two of them in canada alberta golf association and british columbia so i i should say too what's unique about this is that um we're an international association. So we're not just the West coast of the United States. It's, you know, includes Canada. So well, well, it's pretty you, cool. Yeah. You just mentioned two of the associations and I was prepared cause I had memorized all 15 and I was just about to rattle <laughs> them off and, and impress you, but I feel that it would be a hollow victory if I did so since you already gave me two. So I'm not going to go there, but <laughs> I, I do, I, you know, th- this championship, it, you know, like you said, the Pac Coast Golf Association is comprised of 15 member associations. How do you balance between attracting the best players in the world to come out to the Pacific Northwest to compete with also recognizing the achievements of the players within the, the member associations? Because there's kind of a dual aspect to this championship. Yeah, great question, Ben. And, and so it is unique. We have a team competition called the Morse Cup and uh, each association brings three players and they decide who those three players are however um, you know if you go back you know 20 30 years ago um, you know they probably use their order of merit uh, you know points list and, and bring their top three players or their stadium champion and yeah um, but really, uh, the, the philosophy changed on that over the last few years that, hey, we, you know, Pacific Coast needs you to bring your top world amateur golf ranking players um, that are represented in your state, even if they're not playing in your, your, your association championships. If they're one of the top players in the world, we, we, we want them at this championship. It just increases the field strength and um you know, the USGA and other international teams will, will look look at it um, in a brighter light. And, and so that's what we've done is there, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic because that's, that makes up 45 players of the field. But if you look at those players well on those teams, they are the top um, in the World Amateur Rankings within their region or their state, I should say. And you get great players from California, Colorado, Southern California, you know, Washington, Oregon. So, uh, so it works. And then the rest, we, you know, we do individual invitations we call them presidential invitations as an invite based on your world amateur golf ranking. So 
um, it, it's worked really well. It, it's, it's still helped us get, you know, quality players in the field. And, and some, some of the top ranked players end up playing in the Pacific coast because they are on a team, you know, they get, you know, some little perks from being on the team within their golf association. Yeah. Um, so, so it's been great and it bring it built some camaraderie amongst the, you know, the, the associations here on the West coast, uh, in the, in the competition. Yeah. And the other thing that I kind of like about it too, is, um, you're 72 holes with no cut. And I'm, I'm assuming that's to basically make sure that team championship, uh, has a, has a full, um, you know, the players have a full experience for that, but, I would imagine, I mean, that also helps a lot with, with travel, with players. I know that's something that probably doesn't get talked a lot about, but, you know, when players are getting flights and rental cars and hotels and there's a cut, there's kind of that, all right, am I leaving tonight? Am I not leaving tonight? They don't have to worry about that for, for your championship. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and well, even though the team, the team competition is the first two days and it's definitely not the focus of the event, it's kind of happens in the background and focuses on the individual, but after the two days, the team competition's over um, and then we repair by score and and go from there, but you're right, no cut. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think the, the benefits you just listed off are it, we're spot on, on, on why it works and why it's great that, uh, you know, for travel and uh, these players can plan out the week. Um, however, I will say we haven't solidified anything, but I think in the future we're looking at expanding the field, um, you know, possibly to 120 and, and doing maybe a cut after 54 holes or so, just so that we can make sure that all the top players, yeah. um, as many as we can get into the field, but it has worked. It, it won't affect the team side of it, but um, we do, we are of the elite amateur series events. We, you know, we do have a smaller field and we think we kind of owe it as being part of that to increase that field just because the more we can get in the field, these given these top players an opportunity, the better, but, but it's still, it's been great. And it does help from the travel side. Uh, that will be typically the pushback is, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to make, if you do have a cut, don't know if I'm going to make the cut. What about travel? But I think these players are used to that now. What are some of the challenge? You just mentioned that one, you know, with a cut, but also with the travel coming out to the Pacific uh, Northwest. What What are maybe some of the challenges that you and your team have had to kind of work on with recruiting players to come out to, to that part of the country? Because again, you know, um, you know, you're the, you're right up against the Western Amateur that's in Chicago. That's the finale of the series and, and one of the strongest amateur fields uh, of the year. What are maybe some of the things that you've done to enhance the player experience to have these players, you know, add this tournament to their calendar? I mean, some of your past champions were looking at, I mean, Will Zal Torres and uh, Billy Mayfair, uh, Jason Gore, Jim McClain, uh, you know, James Lepp, you know, a lot of great champions in the history of this uh uh, a history of the Pacos Association. Just what are some of the things you've done to enhance the player experience? Maybe not just this year at Capilano in, in Vancouver, but just in general. Yeah, it, we've uh, you know we've really thought a lot about that because you're 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 right. It's uh, we're right between the southern and the western, and from a travel standpoint, that can get really challenging. And um, you know, we're the only West Coast event of of this group. All, um, even though, you know, the transmiss 
gets over to the more western side sometimes. But um, so this has been a big conversation we've had over the last, you know, five, six years in, in recruiting um, and getting these players out here. And we've tried, and I think we've been really successful with it, to make it as easy as possible with um, with sites trying to, you know, where airports are nearby, plenty of hotels to get to and from. But we've also, um, you know, taken on more expense in regards to, the amenities for the players, we do, uh, you know, just getting them transportation. Um, we give them all Uber passes to get to and from where they want to go and when yeah. they want to go. Making the travel as easy as possible. Now, you know, a little this is a little challenging when you get to Canada with passports and things, but um, we've tried to make it as easy transportation-wise as possible so they don't have to think too much about it. And then when they get on site, just making sure, you know, we're feeding them like crazy um, and taking good care of them. Um, you know, we've got Torin Westwood on our staff. Is, is His title for Pacific Coast is player relations. So he's he's constantly making sure the players are taken care of. And, and that's in hopes that, uh, you know, they'll tell people, hey, it was worth getting out, you know, the travel, going from the southern out to the Pacific Coast. It was worth it. So. It's always good to have a guy like Torn around, director of player yeah, relations. Right. You you got to have yeah. that. Yep. I know the players are going to enjoy it. Let's talk a little bit about Capilano before I let you go and get back to get back to work and handling this this year's championship. Um, Capilano Golf and Country Club, West Vancouver, British Columbia. You know, this is the third time this championship has been hosted there, and everything I've seen is just absolutely gorgeous up there. Talk about the experience these players are going to get at this golf course. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a world-class facility. It's, um, this is our third time here at Capilano. They got on a 10 year rotation with us starting in 2003 when James left, you know, pretty much lapped the field of shooting, you know, breaking course records. Uh, it was at the highlight of his career, uh, amateur career. Um, but it's a Stanley Thompson design golf course, which is a big deal in Canada. He's a renowned architect here in Canada. Um, just beautiful tree-lined fairways, um, view of Vancouver, British Columbia. If you ask people, especially um, the western part of of Canada, if you you know you list a top ten course, you're going to hear Capilano in it. Um, it's magnificent. The greens are really challenging, and it's just tree-lined. Um, I you know we've already heard from the players; they just can't believe how big the trees are out here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, the you I mean just the atmosphere? It's it's just amazing. But the course is so is challenging. It's it's a little shorter um, than probably what they're used to playing. But it'll make them think a little twice about you know what they're hitting off the tee. And the greens are like I said earlier is a little, are, are very challenging. But uh, it's a it's a special place, and uh, they've been a huge supporter of the Pacific Coast Golf Association. So we're we're really excited uh, to be back here. I, I think one of the things about Capilano that really sticks out with us is the first year that they hosted it in 2003. And it's, it's still talked about, um, like I said, a little earlier, James Lapp was, uh, you know, at the top of his amateur career and he came out here and shot 68, 62, 66, 67, or 263, one by 10 strokes. I was a, unbelievable a week for him and that really stands out because it was one of the, the most dominant um you know performances at a pacific coast amateur um, that we've ever seen 
Okay. And being back here, it just brings memories back of that. Well, uh, you're going to have a great championship this year. It'll be the third installment, as we said, of the uh, uh, Pacific Coast Amateur at uh, Capilano. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, who comes out on top, uh, surrounded by all those beautiful trees out there in Vancouver. But yeah, this is uh, this is the sixth of the seven tournaments in the Elite Amateur Golf Series. And, um, you know, the champion there is going to rocket up that uh, Elite Amateur Cup leaderboard and head to the Western and have a chance to, you know, really kind of have an incredible experience with, you know, U.S. Open, uh, final qualifying exemptions, Corn Ferry Tour exemptions. Um, you know, you mentioned the IAGA was uh, it was somewhat of a birthplace of the Elite Amateur Golf Series, or at least led to its start. Um, you know, how exciting is it to see that, you know, see your championship really at, at one of the very last legs of this series? It's fun. It's fun to come down the home, be part of the home stretch. Um, you know, especially, uh, you know, you know, in a Walker cup year, right. Um, yeah, absolutely. that, that, it, that you kind of see where this is going to end up and you, you st- it's starting to paint a picture by now. Um, you know, we haven't seen the standings of the elite anniversary through the Southern yet, but when we do, I think, um, you know, I think it's looking pretty tight. And so it's, it's fun to be uh, towards, towards the tail end where um, maybe this championship will be a difference maker for someone. Um, we've got, you know, our field didn't get quite as strong as we wanted it to be just because of travel or we had some withdrawals leading up to it because of, you know, just coming from the Southern um, players retired or, you know, unfortunately a couple had passport issues. So we lost a few top players, but we saw four of the top 10 in the current uh, lead amateur golf series rankings through the transmiss. So we're excited about that. You know, that, those four in the top 10 are, are out here. And uh, if they perform, you know, well, they'll stay in that top four and then going into the Western, uh, it'll be fun to see how it, it finishes out. So yeah, it, it is, is really, Ben, it's really gratifying to see this elite anniversaries come together and all of us have been recruiting and working hard over the years um, to get the best players. And now we're working together in collaboration and there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you get to it before I do though. I have to tap you for some local knowledge. Um, All right. Put together off the top of your head, a golf trip for me in the Pacific Northwest. Where do I need to go? And you can tap anything you want to. All 15 associations are fair game. I know this is a really tough question. Don't overthink it, but what? give me four or five courses that I need to hit if I'm coming to the Pacific Northwest. So if you're coming to the Pacific Northwest, so I'm going to stick within what we call the Pacific Northwest, okay. Washington, Oregon, Idaho, British Columbia. How's that? Okay. You get the whole West coast. That's um, a lot. That's a, that's a, that's I'll a big, be, I'll be frozen that, thinking about that. That's um, a lot. you know, you got to start. I look, this is tough because I could give you about eight different versions of this, but I'm going to go with what's comes to mind right away. Perfect. So hopefully no course holds this against me. Um, you got to stop at Bandon Dunes. They've hosted this before, but Bandon is a must stop. I would say and it would be the perfect place to start. Um, and then I think if you, you head up to Washington, um, again, I, I, you know, this is coming from me, but at Chambers Bay or a Gamble Sands, yeah, 
um, through Washington and then you get over to Oregon and uh, there's some classic private courses on the West side, a Waverly, a Portland golf club. Um, and then you get over to the, the bend, Oregon, central Oregon side and you got pronghorn and, um, gosh, uh, there's so many over there that are good across water and then get up to British Columbia and I would say for sure, uh, Capilano's at the yeah. top of that list and, um, Bear Mountain, um, they're Shaughnessy Golf and Country Club. They've hosted a Canadian PGA Tour stop. So that, that those are the ones that come to mind right away. There's so many in between there now that I'm thinking about it. That's a tough one, Ben. I mean, it's, uh, but that the, those are what come to mind right away. Now, are you going to be able to swing me an Uber pass for this this adventure? That's that's <laughs> that's, that's the other question that's coming up here. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we can rattle, bring them in for a lead amateur golf series uh, <laughs> partnership and go from there. <laughs> I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna yeah. exceed the expense account, but that's uh, we'll, yeah. we'll let someone else figure that out for us. But um, yeah. Troy, this is fantastic. I'm really glad we were able to catch up. I know it's a super busy time of the the year for you with the uh, Pacific Coast Amateur underway. But um, yeah, thank you for all the hospitality and uh, thanks for jumping on here to talk about this and. Uh, the great organization wish you the best of luck this week and appreciate you stopping by the back of the range all right thank you ben i really appreciate your support of this event anything we can do to help you let me know and there you have it special thanks to troy andrew for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range don't forget follow along on facebook twitter instagram everything you need to know about the back of the range can be found on the website thebackoftherange.com and make sure you're following the Elite Amateur Golf Series. This is the grand finale, the Western Amateur this week. All the information you need to know about that, go to EliteAmateurGolfSeries.org. We will see you next time here at the back of the range.